Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. As you know, on Sunday nights, I like to come and share with you things that are relevant to our our culture and what's going on in our world. And uh, I was meditating one day and I thought, you know, I wonder how many people know why things in our culture are the way they are. What's going on in our world? It's definitely different than it used to be even a decade ago. But it's really different um, if you've been on the earth a long time or been saved a long time, you realize how different the world really is. And so I was thinking, Lord, I'd like to be able to, to share with people why certain things are happening. Uh, why are we experiencing such chaos and um, division and all kinds of things uh, in our world today? And a, a song came to my mind an old country classic, which I got a copy of it, and they're going to play it in just a minute. Uh, It's called When Two Worlds Collide. In fact, let's just reverse things. Can we play the song first? Okay, but let me read you the first verse. Now, some of you may recognize this. There's a lot of people that recorded the song. It was written by Bill Anderson, who was a country music legend, and um, it was recorded for a lot of people, uh, by a lot of people. But I picked... Uh, the song that was recorded by uh, Jim Reeves. Jim Reeves was called The Country Gentleman. I have a lot of history in country music. You may not, but uh, he was a a very smooth gentleman country singer. Now listen to the first verse. That's all I'm going to play. That's all I want you to to listen to, but I'm going to read you the words, then you listen to the song, then I'll read them to you again. Your world was so different from mine, don't you see? We just couldn't be close, though we tried. We both reached for the heavens, but our worlds weren't the same. That's what happens when two worlds collide. Now, I want you to remember the word heavens because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with that. Go ahead and play the song, and I hope you all get blessed by listening to it. Your world was so different from mine, don't you see? We just couldn't be close, though we tried. We both reached for heavens, but ours weren't the same. That's what happens. When two worlds collide I could listen to that for the rest of the evening. But I wanted to illustrate to you uh, the purpose for the message tonight is to show you there are two worlds that are colliding. And they're both fighting. Listen to this. We both reached for heavens. And you're going to see how 
Lucifer wanted to be God. He wanted to sit in the seat of God. And there are two worlds that are colliding are between Satan and God. The secular worldview and the biblical worldview. And that's why we're seeing the things that we're seeing in our world today. The problem is not with flesh and blood. The problem, Paul said, is we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and wicked spirits. But the general public, even the church, does not understand where these two worlds are colliding. And there are forces out there that are using these issues, weaponizing them to divide us, to cause division, to cause strife, to cause... And, you know, there, there is injustice in the world. There is injustice in the races. There is injustice. You know, all we know about uh, here is uh, uh, black and white. But years ago, I studied the life story of Chief Sitting Bull. And he was a holy man. He was a um, Lakota Sioux a holy man, a medicine man. And uh, <laughs> he tells, or, or the people that knew him told the whole story of his life and what he uh, uh, represented and what he was doing and why. And he prayed for a long time uh, about the war that we know about, about Custer's last stand and how the Lakota Sioux and all of their uh, fellow Indian tribes defeated Custer. And the great spirit whom he prayed to told him, he said, if you take scalps, a curse will come upon you. So do not take scalps. He told him, he said, you'll win the battle uh, at Little Bighorn, but do not take scalps. Well, they took scalps anyway, and a curse came upon the Lakota Sioux tribe, and it's been there ever since. And he, he was uh, told, uh, or he told the interviewers that uh, when they would... Uh, uh, need a wife, they'd just go steal her from another tribe. If they needed horses, they would go steal the horses from another tribe. They warred among each other. But then when the white man came west, uh, he was going to exterminate uh, the Native American people. And the white man didn't keep any of his promises. He violated all of the treaties. And so the red man, the Native American, did not trust the white man. And there was a great division for many, many years uh, in the 1860s, somewhere around there, uh, before and after the Civil, Civil War. We've always had injustice, and we still have it today. And we think in the country and even in the church that if we can have social justice, then we can eliminate all the problems. But you, social justice is not the answer. Jesus Christ yes. is the answer. Yes. <laughs> that makes you fall in love with your fellow human being. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Jesus Revolution. Uh, my son downloaded it for us last night and we watched it. And uh, because we were a part of the, quote, Jesus hippies even here in, in Little Rock. And we have friends that were actually in that Jesus revolution. 
in the 70s in California. Jeannie and I were pastoring Life Unlimited Christian Fellowship, a church, an inner city church downtown Little Rock. And the hippies, the Jesus hippies as we call them, started coming in the church. They had on their psychedelic robes and their long robes and their uh, earrings and everything. They'd drive up in their Volkswagen, Volkswagen buses, you know. They were precious. They were sweet. They were so hungry for the things of God. A lot of churches wouldn't let them in the door. Well, we did. And they had just came in. They were there every time the doors were open. And they loved Jesus. They worshiped the Lord. In fact, I have a picture in my office that was painted by one of these girls that was a Jesus hippie. And uh, I asked her if she could paint it because it's the picture I saw when I got saved. I found out Johnny Cash had had it painted by a Native American artist. And I got a copy and I wanted her to make her a, make a big one so I could have it in my office. And the eyes looked at you no matter where you were in the room. I looked up and I knew who he was. I just didn't know him. And I said, help me understand what's going on here. And he was looking at me. I walk over here and he was looking at me. And I walked over here and he was looking at me. So I mentioned this on Arkansas Live one day. And I got an email the next week from this girl. And she said, Pastor Caldwell, thank you for mentioning that uh, on the air. She says, I was part of the Jesus hippie group that came to your church in the 70s. She said, I was 14 years old. And she said, now I'm 63. And she said, it totally changed my life. But my parents, I came from a dysfunctional family. They wouldn't let me come back because they thought I was in a cult. And she said, but I just wanted to thank you. Boy, that really blessed me. That made my day. And Jerry Savelle was working for Brother Copeland back in those days. And when they'd go to California, Jerry would go out to the beach where all this stuff was going on. And he win people to the Lord by the dozens. Now, what's happening in our nation today is not by accident. It's planned. Satan is behind all of the division, the strife, the chaos, etc. There are two men that uh, use their organization, the World Economic Forum, WEC, Klaus Schwab and George Soros. Klaus Schwab, and they're both multi-billionaires. Klaus Schwab is a German engineer. George Soros is a Hungarian Jew. What a couple. What a pair. Uh, A German scientist and a Hungarian Jew. And they're working together. They fund all of the organizations that stir up trouble and you saw some of them here. They fund things in the background. They fund things out in front. You all remember Phil and Brenda Godot from Sacramento, California. Uh, this was a couple that's a part of our ministerial fellowship. Uh, and I, I met Phil. He became a part of our ministerial fellowship, ICFM. And Phil was an enforcer uh, for the Black Panthers. Well, Phil got saved. And filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And now he pastors a big church in Sacramento, California. What Satan is trying to do is to keep us divided. To keep us, you know, we want justice. We should have justice. But justice isn't found in social justice. I'm I'm amazed at the things that go on uh, in our country. Even right here in Little Rock. I have watched the newsreels where... Uh, police brutality takes place. 
And I, I, I sometimes, I want to get up and go slap somebody and say, what is the matter with you people? I have worked with the police force. And uh, I worked with uh, Chaplain Gortney and rode with the, uh, the SWAT team to go to domestic disturbances, et cetera. And I'm thinking, I want to I go and minister to the chaplaincy and to the police today to try and give them some sense because a lot of the things that are happening are unnecessary. And I'm thinking, what's the matter with you people? I remember years ago, there was a shootout in one of the garages locally, and there was a couple of guys that were uh, stealing a truck or something, and they came running out of the parking garage, and the police were standing there waiting for them with AK-47s and all kinds of weaponry and just opened fire on these guys and killed them dead in that truck. And I thought to myself, that wasn't necessary. What, what is your problem? And, of course, if you've ever interviewed or maybe you've served on the police force, I know when I was going off to college, I wanted to be an FBI agent. And one thing that they would prefer is that you have never fired a gun, that you've never involved, been involved in any law enforcement because they wanted to train you correctly. They didn't want you to... And they, and they still, I worked with Chaplain Gortney, when they interview somebody, they still have to find out whether you have authority issues. And, and that's, uh, that's a big problem. And you're carrying a gun and you've got the authority, you, you tend to abuse people. And we've seen all of that. And I just, you know, I know there are people that say, what is our world coming to? Well, the good news is it's coming to Jesus. <laughs> Everybody, it says every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But I want to show you from the scriptures what happens when these two worlds uh, collide. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And let's see if I can stay on my subject tonight because I've got lots of things going on in me. And I, I just wanted, I borrowed that clip from uh, CBN to show you that they're this is manipulation, and you, you've got to know that you're not wrestling against people, and you, you can't get frustrated. It's, it's, and I'm going to say this. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. It's not about who's in the White House. It's about who's in the church house. It's about what the church is going to do about these things. Uh, just because a guy puts on a suit and a tie and runs for president or becomes president or is a politician or a senator or a congressman doesn't mean they have any sense. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're sent from God. It, it just means they persuaded you to vote for them. <laughs> and they're good at running, <laughs> um, you know, campaigns. But when they get ready to start governing, you wonder how in the world did we get to this place? You also got to realize that there are spiritual forces behind all this. And if you're not spiritual enough, you don't realize what's taking place. Revelation 12, verse 7. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God 
and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, and they loved not their lives to death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and you that dwell in them, but woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal. Uh, for the, the devils come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. Now, there are different opinions in timing when this war in heaven took place. Um, I always assumed, and, and you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't think that I've always been right in assuming some of these things, but I've always assumed that this was what we call the first war in heaven. There was a war in heaven. Satan was cast out. And, I, and there are others that believe this war takes place at the end of the tribulation period because it says that uh, the devil comes down and he knows, but he has a short time. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. But Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, he told the disciples, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So that led me to believe that this happened before the Great Tribulation period. So there are timing. I, I, I heard uh, David Reagan say that he doesn't. He's a broadcaster on VTM. He said, you know, I don't think the tribulation period starts with the rapture. He said, I think the rapture takes place first. And then the great tribulation period starts. And he said, there's nobody that knows the time frame. Yeah. They don't know how long it is before the rapture of the church takes place and the tribulation starts. Now, we believe, now you may not believe this way, but I believe in 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, tell us that the rapture is going to take place prior to the great tribulation period. We've not been appointed to wrath. The tribulation period is going to be a period where God's going to pour his wrath on Israel, other Gentile nations, etc. But the church company is going to be caught up to meet Christ in the air. And after Revelation chapter 4, the, uh, the church is no longer on the earth. And all the things that take place, you can follow them uh, in Revelation and Daniel and uh, different places. You, you have to make sure that you know where you are in the scheme of these things. Because I have people that tell me all the time, well, we're in the, we're in the middle of the outpouring of the seals and the, uh, the, the riders of the horses and all that. I said, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's during the tribulation period. I said, we're not going to be here. Now, if you want to stay and tribulate, you can. I've, I've, I've heard ministers say that, that uh, uh, the rapture is, uh, what's the word he used? What? Escape or... Uh, it was nonsense. That's what it was. He said it was nonsense. And then I had a guy in my, actually our conference room, he, he and his wife had been there to do some partner special programs for us. And we're talking about the rapture. And all of a sudden he just goes, that does it. Now he's our guest. He's sitting at our table. He said, that does it. He said, you people, you rapture people. He said, the rapture is the most immature and selfish thing that I've ever heard of. I wish I'd have been as quick as, as Kenny could have been, but I wish I'd have gone over there and said, you ever read what Paul said about the rapture? He said, comfort each other <laughs> with these words. 
It's not selfish and it's not immature. Uh, you know, you, you can stay or you can go. A lot of people that I've heard of in the past that uh, didn't believe in a rapture, they're in heaven today, I guess. I mean, you know, they're not going to see whether the rapture was real or not. They died and they went to heaven, I assume, because they believed in Jesus Christ and they believed they were saved. But so many people believe different things. So here, this war in heaven, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just for the sake of discussion, it was the first conflict between good and evil, and it took place in heaven. Jesus confirms Satan's defeat, Luke 10, 17 through 20. And Jesus demonstrates Satan's defeat in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. So let's go back over there. Luke chapter 4. This is, this is uh, the wilderness experience, if you please. Luke chapter 4. And let's go to, uh, of course, verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned uh, from Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, being 40 days tempted to the devil. In these days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, he afterward um, hungered. And the devil said unto him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now these temptations that Satan poured out to Jesus were real temptations. And Jesus knew it. How he responded to it is of uttermost importance. He quoted the word to the devil every time the devil would tempt him. And he got what he quoted out of Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. Interesting enough, the word uh, Deuteronomy is the Hebrew word Deborim, which means words. So next verse, the devil took him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said, all this power will I give you and the glory of them, for it's delivered unto me and to whomsoever will I give it. Who gave him that authority? Adam. Adam gave that authority. So he was legitimately tempting Jesus with it. And Jesus was not rebuking or overcoming the temptation just because he was the son of God, but he quoted the word of God back to the enemy. If you worship me, all, your, all will be yours. And Jesus said again, get behind me, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord thy God and in him only shall you serve. He brought him to the pinnacle of the temple. I've been there. Uh, if you take away all of the sedimentation that's, a, that's accumulated over the 2,000 years, from the top of that pinnacle to the ground is 70 feet. Anybody that would throw themselves off the top of that pinnacle would kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And so he said, throw yourself off this pinnacle. And if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And Jesus said, it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. But he did not say... Um, in all their ways, catch you up in their hands in all, all your ways. In their hands, they'll bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it is written, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of him uh, throughout all the region. Now, this conflict is ongoing. This conflict between uh, Satan and God, it continues. Satan knows that he has but a short time. Mm -hmm. Now go over to Isaiah 14. 
Isaiah chapter 14. And let's look at verse uh, 12, Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, or day star? Now, Jesus told his disciples, I saw him cast out of heaven. I saw him fall from heaven. And here is a reference uh, through Isaiah. How, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan wanted to be God. He was angered when God created Adam in his image and likeness and put him in charge of the creation. And Satan wanted to be God. Now you're going to see uh, more about this in just a moment. But he said in 15, verse 15, Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So we know the end result of Satan. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 28. Go over to Ezekiel chapter 28. And let's look at what I call the law of double reference or dual reference. There's an earthly ruler being addressed and there's a spiritual ruler being addressed. Ezekiel 28, 12. Son of man... Take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now that's who the earthly ruler was, the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, Thou saith the Lord, Thou sealeth up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You've been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx. And he lists all of these things. In verse uh, 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. So that's referring to Lucifer. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have uh, walked up and down in the midst of the stones of the fire. You were perfect in the ways from the day you were created until iniquity, rebellion, was found in you. Now, <clears throat> I did a teaching, I think it's going to air this week, called The Matrix of Satan. The Matrix of Satan is deception. That's what's in him. And Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, he said, when they asked him, when are these things going to take place? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. That's tantamount. He told them about all the things that were going to happen, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, etc. He said, these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. But he said, don't let anybody deceive you. Now, I think this is the biggest challenge that the body of Christ has today. If, if you watch enough news and enough television and whatever, uh, stay online, social media, all that, you're going to be deceived. You, you're going to go to bed confused. You're going to get up confused. You've got to stay with the Word. Amen. And you've got to hear the Word preached to you in your church. Yes. And all the preachers said amen. amen. Okay. <clears throat> so he goes on. He says, iniquity was found in you by the multitude of your merchandise your subjects have filled you with violence. You've sinned. Therefore, I'll cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy you, a covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up. Say his heart was lifted up. Because of his beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of the brightness. 
I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I'll bring forth a fire from the midst of you. It'll devour you, and I'll bring you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. So here's Lucifer. He has, he has tried to tempt Jesus with the same three temptations he tempted Adam with in the garden. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus didn't go for it. He quoted the word to him. Now, here we see an earthly ruler. And the uh, earthly ruler is just simply being motivated, uh, possessed, if you please, by uh, Satan himself. And so here the war continues. It goes on. These two worlds, the law of God, the law of Satan, the secular uh, humanistic laws, uh, the biblical values, the secular values are still clashing. It's always been going on since heaven, since Satan was thrown out. It's going to continue to go on. I know, you know, during the pandemic in 2020, <clears throat> I was praying one day and I said, Lord, I don't understand why we can't uh, get rid of this. We're people of faith. We know what the word says. Uh, we fasted. We prayed. A lot of people prophesied and all these kind of things. He said, go back and read Matthew 24, 6. I went back and read it again. And it said, these things right. must, must come to pass. There are certain things in Hebrew, they call them moeds, that, that are set in time. Jesus' first coming was set. His virgin birth was set. His second coming is set. Now, God's not sending the pandemic. He's not sending the sickness, the disease, the wars. But there are things that Jesus said to his disciples are going to take place. And that's what the Lord told me. He said, you can't stop this. It's not that your faith doesn't work or that you don't have the power or Jesus' name isn't good enough. It's because these things have to come to pass. It was a metaphor representing a woman that was in pain, birth pains. So he said, these things are going to come to pass. And then he said, and this was even worse. He said, this is just the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning. Oh, man. So you don't want to miss the rapture. Because if you miss the rapture, you're going to go into uh, the uh, tribulation full blast. And so we're right here at a pivotal point where we need to understand where all this is coming from. So you don't get mad at the, at the, uh, the journalist or the broadcaster. You don't get mad at the politician. You don't get mad at your neighbor. You don't get mad at uh, people that disagree with you or act like fools. You understand where these things are coming from. Yes. And you know it's the two worlds colliding and the sparks are flying. Now... Uh, let's go over to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now keep in mind, Satan wanted to be God. God kicked him out of heaven, rebellion. He's still trying. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a persistent cuss. He's going to continue to try and be God. Now listen to this. Second Thessalonians 2. We beseech you, brethren by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, 
that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by my letter from us or by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is referring to the second coming. Uh, I'm sure you know many of you in this church and other churches. Have, I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you know there's a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ? Those are not the same thing. Those are two separate, distinct events. We're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Caught up to meet him in the air. Come up here. The Hilton Sutton used to say he doesn't know what God's going to say. What's that shout going to be? Come up here. Well, that's conjecture, supposition on his part. I read the other day when I was doing a study on that, and you look up that word shout. It refers to a reverberation, a reverberation. There's going to be a vibration. And all of a sudden, you're going to be gone. And I know when I got saved, Jeannie had a, <clears throat> she had a scroll by John G. Hall, I think. And I, I studied that scroll every day. And you could see these little sweet pea gowns, people going up like balloons with gas in them, you know. And you think, that's, that's the way we're going to go. We're, that old song, I'll fly away. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think maybe we're going to be here one minute twinkling of an eye and gone the next. Mm. Now, I'm going in the first load. I don't know about you, but somebody be standing talking to me and the rapture takes place and you say, all of a sudden, I'm I'm gone. Or you're gone. Or we're gone. (laughs) Okay. Now, listen to the rest of this. Paul was telling the Thessalonians, he was saying, look, You may have gotten a letter from me, but I didn't write it. It says, don't be troubled or shaken if you got a word from me that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. There's that word deceive again. Don't let any man deceive you for that day, the second coming, Now, keep in mind that the disciples that Jesus was talking to in Matthew 24 were Jewish disciples. They weren't born again. They didn't know anything about a rapture. There had never been any discussion or teaching on a rapture, not until the apostle Paul comes along and gets a revelation of it and starts teaching on it. So they're not talking about the rapture. They're talking about the second coming. Let no man deceive you. For that day shall not come, now listen to this, except there come a falling away first. Apostasy. Now, one translation says, unless there comes a departure either of faith or of the church. A stronger interpretation would be, unless there comes a departure of the church first. Talking about the church has departed. Okay. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God, called God, or that is worshiped so that he as God, now who, who's he talking about? The man of sin, the antichrist, the man of sin, the false prophet, they take stage after the church is gone. And I've said this so many times, <clears throat> you hear about wars and rumors of wars. North Korea is going to send a 
nuclear warhead. Um, Russia is going to send a nuclear warhead. No nuclear war of any kind is going to take place until after the church is gone. We are the restrainer. We are the preventer. Now you'll hear all this talk. Listen, I was in the Navy aboard DD-847 U.S. Navy ship. It was a destroyer. <clears throat> we were a submarine killer. Uh, we had torpedo tubes on the front of the destroyer. Uh, we had a drone helicopter that had two torpedo tubes uh, on it. And we hunted submarines. And we were sent to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, in the 60s. And we were down there as gunfire support. Castro and Khrushchev were bluffing. Fortunately, we had a commander-in-chief, John F. Kennedy, that had been in the Navy, and he knew about military. I, I just really would like to see every president that ever serves in this country served in the military Amen. before they go into the, uh, the White House. I, I think they, they either need to have served in the military or you need to send them to the U.S. Army War College in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, so they have some kind of sense about them, uh, about military strategy. Anyway, we were down there, and that Bay of Pigs, Guantanamo Bay Theater, actually continued for about four years. It was not just over in one day. It was a continuing thing that Castro and Khrushchev were trying to scare us, and Kennedy called their bluff, and we were down there to back him up. All the aircraft carriers that we had and all the destroyers. Now, we had no battleships because they were all destroyed in Pearl Harbor. We had uh, cruisers, light cruisers, et cetera. And we were down there, and we were shelling the islands every day. The Marines were dug in. And after a while, Khrushchev and Castro packed up their bags and backpedaled out of there. Mm -hmm. And I heard a military historian say the other day, he said the Bay of Pigs, Guantanamo Bay, was the closest the United States ever came to a nuclear war. Now there I was, I was on the ship. I was 20 years old and stupid, and I wasn't afraid of anything. And here I'm sitting there watching all this. We had no idea we could be blown out of the water any minute. We were in our gun mounts, eight hours on, eight hours off, shelling the islands. We were looking for a fight. We were trained to do that. In fact, if we couldn't fight the enemy, we'd go ashore, sit on a bar stool, and fight each other. <laughs> Isn't that stupid? <laughs> but nevertheless, that's, that's what it was about. And we're not going to have any of these things take place until after the church is gone because let's, let's um, keep on reading. First in verse 4, it says, So that he as God, the man of sin, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Satan wants to be God. And after the church is gone and he gets to take his place in, uh, on the stage during the tribulation period, he is going to sit in the seat of God like he is God. And, of course, the Antichrist is going to be a, 
world-renowned orator, and he's going to convince everybody that he's the solution to all the problems. He's going to step up front and say, I can, say, I can stop all the, uh, the racial problems. I can stop the anti-Semitism. I can stop all this. And he makes a peace with the Jews. And we're going to read that in a minute in Ezekiel 38 where Russia invades Israel from the north, and it says they, uh, there were no, no more walled villages. There were no bars well, we know that's not now because if you go to Israel today, there are walled villages and bars and all kinds of military uh, defense mechanisms. I was over there when they dedicated the embassy uh, in two, let's see, two, 2014. And we went down to Haifa to one of their naval ports. I didn't understand why Israel needed a navy. And I asked, was able to go aboard one of their frigates and I asked the captain, I said, why do you need a navy? He said, oh, I told him I'd served in the uh, United States. And he said, oh, the Russian uh, ships are going by here every day looking for a soft water port, looking for a way to need a place. When they invade Israel, they're going to need a place for uh, re- rearming. They're going to need a place for provisions. They, uh, Russia has a base in Syria already just north. And Ezekiel 38, 39 says that the Russians will invade from the north I mean, the whole stage is set for this end time, but it's not yet. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, all these things are going to come to pass. And this is just the beginning. But he said, the end is not yet. So if you keep on reading, remember you not that I told you when I was with you these things, and now you know that with that, now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity both already work, does already work. Only he who now letteth, or the marginal reference is he that restrains, he that hinders. He that hinders all this from taking place will let or allow until he be taken out of the way. That's the church. The he that he's referring to is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not going anywhere. He's going to stay. He's going to anoint the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Now, can you imagine the 144,000 Jewish evangelists? That's not even as many people as are in uh, Little Rock, the population of the city of Little Rock. So how can 144,000 Jewish evangelists preach the gospel to the world? Because that's what it says in Matthew 24. They're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. We're preaching the gospel of grace. Now, there is a counterfeit, an erroneous movement going on right now. And Hilton Sutton warned us about it in the 1970s called Kingdom Now Teaching. That is that we're going to subdue this earth and all. All of the athletic, the uh, politics, Hollywood, we're going to subdue all kingdoms and bring them under authority. And then we're going to tell Jesus that he can come back and set up his kingdom. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus will set up his own kingdom. And we, we're, we're, not here, we're not here to take over the earth. We're here to win people to Jesus. We're here to get people saved. We're here to win them into the kingdom. Jesus will come and take, uh, take care of everything. 
So you see that this mystery of iniquity is working. Two worlds colliding, and they're going to continue to do so until the church is taken out of here. And he who letteth or restraineth will allow until he be taken out of the way. Now, go with me real quick back over to Ezekiel 38. And I want to, I want to close with this. I think everybody pretty well knows what we should be doing uh, until the rapture of the church. I mean, when the pandemic started back in March of 2020, my granddaughter called me. She said, Granddaddy, what are we supposed to be doing? I said, well, we're supposed to be doing the same thing we've always been doing. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be preserving. We're supposed to be shining. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of our dear son, of of God's dear son, kingdom of light. Look at Ezekiel 38. And then I want to read you a comment. I'm about to run out of time. From David Reagan in his latest book called The War of the End Times. Ezekiel 38. Verse 10, thus saith the Lord God, it shall come to pass that the same time shall things come into your mind. Now he's talking about Gog and Magog. Verse 2, he says, son of man, set your face against Gog, and uh, Magog, chief prince of Meshach, Tubal, prophets. I'll, I'll tell you who all those people are in a minute. He said, uh, an evil thought uh, will come into your mind. It says, and you shall think an evil thought. Marginal reference says, you will conceive a mischievous purpose. Now, why is Russia and all of her cohorts going to be interested in Israel? Well, they have the largest gas reserve on planet Earth. They're the food source uh, of all of Europe. Um, Weaponry is one of their most uh, valuable uh, exports. And uh, they need uh, soft water ports. They need all the things that Israel has. And so eventually things get worse and worse. They're going to say, okay, let's get together and go into Israel and take, uh, and it says that, take a spoil. It says, and you shall say, I will go into the land of unwalled villages. I'll go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Well, that's not, that's not Israel today. To take a spoil. Say that out loud. To take a spoil. And to take a prey. To turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. Now, let me read to you comments from uh, David Reagan. (laughs) Ezekiel 38. Um, There are some who think that the United States is mentioned in Ezekiel's prophecies. They point to Ezekiel 38, 13, which says the invasion of, when the invasion of Israel occurs, Sheba and Dan, now, now let me read these names to you, uh, listed in Ezekiel, Rosh is Russia, Magog, Central Asia Republics, Persia, Iran, Ethiopia, Sudan, Put, Libya, Meshach, and Tubal, Turkey. So, he says uh, there are those that take Ezekiel 38 where it says uh, the Dedan and merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will question the purpose of the attack but will do nothing more. And I've heard this 
since the 70s. Hilton Sutton used to teach it, that America, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia are the young lions. And the young lions, America is, is one of them. However, if you know your history, um, Britain did not spawn uh, Canada, the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand. That word, young lions, is translated vision of villages and would be worldwide colonies, including the United States. But the 20th century identity of Tarshish switched to Spain. Now, who discovered America? Christopher Columbus. Sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Remember that? Uh, and he writes in his own diary, they published it years ago. He said, I discovered this land not by mathematical computation, chart, or compass, but by the spirit of the living God. So America was not an offshoot of Great Britain. Great Britain was our biggest enemy when the colonies were trying to get, uh, you know, developed. Great Britain wanted to take everybody out. They didn't like it because we departed and came over here. But they didn't, they didn't found America. They didn't colonize America. Spain is the one that colonized America. Christopher Columbus. So the merchants of Tarshish and all their young villages, uh, it refers to colonies, including the United States, the 20th century identity of Tarshish switched to Spain. So, therefore, the United States is one of Spain's villages, one of Spain's colonies, not Great Britain. Okay, the war that occurred when Israel is dwelling securely, the Bible infers that this will not be until the Antichrist signs a treaty with Israel at the beginning of the tribulation. Follow me. Keep in mind, the rapture does not mark the beginning of the tribulation. The start of the tribulation is when the Antichrist signs a treaty guaranteeing the peace of Israel. And there are definitely going to be a space of time between the rapture and the start of the tribulation. It could be a few months to a few years. Timing is really important, and a lot of people don't uh, really understand uh, the timing. Anyway, I just thought that that would be uh, a mention to you because there's, there's a there's difference of opinions over whether America is going to survive or not, whether America is mentioned in the Bible or not. There are those that believe that America fits the criteria of Babylon and that America cannot survive. And then there are those that believe in the uh, uh, kingdom now that we're to take over the world and then Jesus is going to come back. So you have to find out for yourself by knowing the scriptures and pastors need to teach this so the church will know because the church, the church is very ignorant concerning the rapture and the second coming. And they don't know what to expect. They don't know why all this chaos is taking a place. They don't know there's two worlds colliding. There's two worlds of thoughts. There's two ambitions. Satan wants to be God and he's going to try to get into the seat of God. There's the secular worldview and there's the biblical worldview. And we've got to stand for the biblical worldview. Amen? Amen. 
So I, I encourage you to delve into the word for yourself. Don't take my word for it because I'm still learning this. The Lord gave me what I call a proverb years ago. He said, what you know, you know. What you think you know, you don't. And what you don't know, you will. Hallelujah. I'm very positive. I'm very uh, excited about our future. He said, well, pastor, what if we have all these shortages and, and uh, we don't have food and whatever? Go back and read about the Elijah and Elisha. I mean, go back and read how God supplied them. You'll have, people, you'll have ravens dropping meat at your house for your, your grocery delivery. You'll have uh, uh, supernatural provision. I'm not talking about not being prepared if there's going to be uh, a weather pattern coming in. You may lose electricity. You want to be prepared. I'm not talking about, I'm just, I'm talking about being not scared. You be prepared. You understand what the scripture says. And know that all the things that are going on, this will make a difference if you watch the evening news, not, not on VTN, but on the secular world. If you watch the evening news on the secular world, it's enough to make you do drugs, you know, to become an alcoholic. You want to you escape all these things. How can I get away from this? And this is one of the things that's haunting our teenagers, our young people. And they don't know how to, how to uh, uh, endure hardness as a good soldier. And I don't want to get into this, but in people of my generation, we were raised different than these young people today. I really feel sorry for them. Because all they know is social media and and um, uh, that that phone and all that kind of stuff. And I heard a report the other day. This phone, oh, where is my phone? <laughs> anyway, it's destroying uh, this generation. It really is. And so you you've got to teach. If you're a father, if you're a mother, you've got to teach and train these children. My father did that. He he trained us up in the way we should go. He had rules and regulations, and he's the boss. It was his house. When I left home, he said, you can either go to college, you can either go to work, or you can go in the military. He said, but you're going somewhere. You're not going to stay home. And he said, if you decide to go to work and you want to live in my house, you're going to pay me room and board. I said, pay room and board for my own house? He says, not your house. And don't be bringing your dirty laundry over here for your mother to wash. You wash your own laundry. I thought that was hard. I thought that was, you know, insensitive. When I was in the Navy and our ship pulled into port one time into Norfolk, Virginia, I called home. And I said, Daddy, can you send me $50? He said, what for? I said, I just need $50. He said, don't they pay you? I said, yes, sir, they do. He said, then you need to learn to live on what you make. Anything else? I said, no, sir, thank you very much. <laughs> it hurt me. I didn't like it, but it made me realize I'm on my own now, and he ain't going to take care of me anymore. Another time I was on the beach and in a bar, and the shore patrol came in. <clears throat> and they only come in when there's problems. And they were looking for me. And they started asking around about Seaman Caldwell. You know, is he around? I said, that's me. He said, you have an emergency phone call from the Red Cross. Whoa, that means something's bad wrong at home. You better. So I found me a pay phone, pay phone. You know what those were, pay phones. <laughs> I, found, I found me a pay phone and I called home. My daddy answered the phone. I said, daddy, 
I said, what, what's, what's going on? The shore patrol just got hold of me and said, emergency phone call. He said, where are you? I said, well, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. My ship's been out on maneuvers and we just pulled in. He said, I said, what's the problem? He said, your mother has not heard from you in three weeks. <laughs> We'd been at sea for about a month. <laughs> I said, daddy, you called the shore patrol on me? <laughs> Because mama hadn't gotten a letter, he said she lives for your letters. And when you don't, when she doesn't hear from you, <laughs> you know your brother was in the army. When she doesn't hear from you, I thought, oh my Lord, he, he knows everything about me. Well, he'd served in World War II. He knew exactly what was going on. But he disciplined us. He raised us that way. And that's how you need to raise your children. I don't mean have them arrested by the shore patrol, but I mean you need to teach them and train them and discipline them. I talked back to my mother one time. My daddy grabbed me up. He said, listen, son. He said, you don't ever speak to your mother again that way ever again. Do you understand me? He said, she's not only your mother, she's my wife. I never thought of it that way, you know. But anyway, I hope this has blessed y'all. Thank y'all for giving me an extra 15 minutes. God bless you.